Okay, are you guys ready to dive in this episode? Yeah. Yes. You're tuning, You're tuning in. in. TBD. 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 Into TBD. TBD. To be discussed. To be discussed. To be discussed. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast to be discussed TBD. This is your host May Wu, and today we're going to talk about vulnerability, masculinity, and friendship. And I have two very special guests here with me today, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves, tell us a little bit about them, um, and yeah, and then we're going to dive right in. Well, thanks for having us. I'm going to let Kamal introduce himself first, so I can put him. <laughs> <laughs> we can go in alphabetical. No, you actually will be first. So my name is Kamal. I am a California native, born and raised. Uh, Went to school at University of California, Davis. I've been living on the East Coast for the past three years now. Now I'm currently based in New York. I've been there for about six months now. But um, in terms of labels, I would, uh, my label is Will's best friend. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, we've been friends for about two years, a little over two years now, and it's been wonderful knowing this man, one of the best hype men in the world. So uh, I'll go ahead and let Will introduce himself. Yeah, I mean, now I have to start off with my label, I guess. Um, so, <laughs> Don't feel pressured. Don't feel the pressure. Yeah, okay? No, no, it's fine. <laughs> I, I'm Kamal's best friend. Um, I'm the I'm the ride or die. But yeah, no, my name is Will. I am from Georgia. I always claim Atlanta, but I live 40 miles northeast of the city of Atlanta. We're actually much more in the rural suburbs, closer to Athens, but all my family is from Georgia. And so I was one of the few people that kind of left the nest. I went to Yale for undergrad and then moved down to D.C. full-time to work. And I've been here for almost four years now. So I've just kind of stayed along the East Coast. And, uh, yeah, like Kamal said, we met a couple of years ago, and we'll unpack more of that as the conversation continues. But thanks for having us. Yeah, I'm really excited. And I love that you said hype man, because that kind of gives me, that reminds me of how Schoolboy Q was actually Kendrick's hype man, and then he just ended up rapping himself as well. So... That's where my mind went. Um, <laughs> well, I'm not so, sure which one's which. I know, but I, I, I don't know. And I'll call dibs on Kendrick. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I will let you call dibs on Kendrick as a West Coast person, especially. So, how did you guys become friends? Really get to know each other? So, I moved to Washington D.C. back in late 2018. I'm sorry, 2017. And on the job plant, I just finished living in Beijing for the past, I think, a little over a year and a half, uh, working after I finished graduating uh, from UC Davis in 2016. And I had one friend out there that I knew throughout college, we intending on moving in together once we both moved to uh, DC. And so Keith started a basketball team just to get different fellas together and he had a friend named Elliot and Elliot and Will both knew each other met uh, through basketball we played a rec league every Saturday Um, one of the notoriously worst teams uh, I've ever been a part of but it was not (laughs) due to Will (laughs) and it wasn't from a lack of effort on our part either Um, our team name was do you remember it Will? 
YMCMB. Yeah, Young Money <laughs> Cash Money Ballers. Um, so you probably knew that we were going to be trash with that. Now. Definitely the least intimidating team out of all the teams that uh, were out there. But um, how did um, you guys kind of uh, create that bond? We're playing on the same team for about a few months, and I think it was uh, Elliot who we both knew his girlfriend's birthday. And so they're all inviting us out to go out uh, downtown at this bar called Brixton in DC on U Street. And, um, you know, I was recently single at a time, just got out of a pretty toxic relationship. And Will was out there and he was single as well. And I was just like, you know what? He and I uh, could be each other's wingman. And then, you know, go out, get to know some folks in the DC nightlife. And, so we met that night, and I think next time we saw each other was at, I think was it your birthday party? Yeah, it was at my birthday party. Yeah. And so saw him at his birthday, and, and yeah. But yeah, no, I, uh, it's interesting, kind of as Kamal was telling the story, uh, as he mentioned, I knew Elliot from the Institute for Responsible Citizenship was the full name of the program. And essentially it takes 12 black dudes from throughout the country uh, who are in college, rising juniors and seniors, uh, and puts them all in a summer program to work in DC in whatever field that you're kind of most passionate about. And so Elliot and I were in the same class and we did that for two summers. And I had been in DC for a couple of years already working. And then Elliot came down after grad school and he was telling me, hey, I have a friend, Keith, as Kamal was mentioning, that is starting up this basketball league, are you down to join? Now, I almost did not join. And this, I guess this whole conversation might not have ever happened. <laughs> uh, but I almost didn't join because at the time, especially everyone that knew me, they know that I have retired from basketball. I used to tell people, don't ask me, right? Like, that's just not what I do anymore. And, um, but I was like, you know, maybe I can come out to a game or two. And in fact, I, I missed like the first two games of the season. And I was like, oh, okay, let me like actually show up and, you know, have some type of commitment. And uh, that's where I met Kamal. And then as he kind of mentioned, the rest kind of started to play out over the course of months. What are your guys' take on hyper masculinity? And do you see that a lot just interacting with other males? And have you seen it in yourselves? Uh, yes, yes, and yes. Um... Toxic masculinity, I mean, that's always been a tough conversation to unpack just because from a very young age, we've been taught a lot of things about what it means to be a man in this world and especially as a black man in this world and, you know, being a provider, of course, uh, but a lot of it has to do with gamemanship, especially in terms of interactions with women. Um, you know, like, who can you talk to? Who's gonna, who are you going to hook up with? Who are you going to take on? on uh, your date to prom and homecoming. And so, you know, going through that experience and realizing that um, being in certain circles didn't really allow me to fully express myself as an individual, you know, the more sensitive and emotional side that I have and being able to fully embrace um, expressing emotions and having serious conversations that weren't always revolving around either women or sports or video games. Uh, I think has been, you know, a great experience. And, you know, Will 
could definitely break down more on that toxic masculinity side of things. Beyond toxic masculinity, just normal masculinity is such a social construct. And I think it wasn't until I got older that I began to really try to do the work to be more rigorous, right? Because we have to understand that we exist in a society and and, and there are some ways in which uh, we are oppressing the society, such as race, uh, because we live in a white supremacist society. But then there are also ways in which, uh, for Kamal and I, we are can be perpetrators of oppression because we live in a patriarchal society. And so it's like really beginning to unpack where privilege exists and also where oppression exists. And I think that masculinity is one of those places where it shows up and when we understand that masculinity is a social construct, I think it's helpful to realize that because it's a social construct, it means that it doesn't always have to be this way. It's just us as a society has created a set of norms around what masculine means and what that expression is supposed to look like. And a lot of hyper-masculinity, toxic masculinity is sort of the hyperbolic, exaggerated overexpression, overcompensation of trying to engage in society and the behaviors in which you have deemed or have been taught from upbringing, et cetera, uh, is a way in which a man is supposed to engage throughout society. And so a lot of it is trying to take a step back and to be much more critical and thoughtful and self-aware and understand that your actions and behaviors don't exist in a vacuum and that our job is often to participate in harm reduction. And so beginning to think about in what ways is this belief, is buying into a belief system about how I'm supposed to do, how is that causing harm to myself in terms of, is this actually what I feel to be the truest form or expression of myself, as well as what harm is it actually causing to others and what harm is the culture causing to others? Because there are a lot of guys who are fine with saying, I'm not toxic, but all of my homies are, and that's fine because that's my homies. Uh, and so it's like really taking accountability for yourself, uh, for the harm and hurt that you're causing, as well as really calling out the folks around you who are choosing to engage in such behavior. You guys seem to have a really good perspective on masculinity and hyper-masculinity. So when did you realize that, hey, maybe I'm not only just being masculine, but this is actually this hyper-masculine, toxic, masculine, uh, you know, portrayal that I'm exerting out, or that that's kind of my mindset right now, and you have to kind of reflect that? Uh, I'd say for me, a lot of this unlearning or reevaluating and introspection happened very early on in college, growing up, whether it be sports or academics, it was more or less, I felt, you know, unacceptable to be outperformed by a woman. And so whether that be, you know, in a race or playing sports or video games or any type of competition, it was just unacceptable. I should never lose a woman in anything. And so, um, and obviously I shouldn't lose other men either, but that's besides the point. And so, you know, coming to college where you're just interacting with so many different individuals, so many different smart individuals of different backgrounds, um, people who are a lot more vocal um, and expressive about how they feel and being able to articulate themselves in a way that demonstrates that their confidence in who they are as a woman um, and learning about feminism and my role in either perpetuating 
type some type of uh, prejudice towards women because of these learned uh, prejudices and and uh, paradigms that I've adopted over the years. I think it definitely was a learning process for me. I developed friendships with women, and they were like, "Yeah, some of the things that you're doing is just like not okay, Kamal." Like more or less had to do a, a whole 360 analysis of my life and identifying ways that I've more or less sipped the Kool-Aid and bought into some of these uh, ideas and perspectives of, of what it means for me to be a man. And, you know, that's definitely been very impactful to see that uh, certain things that I've been doing and I've been tolerating um, are not acceptable. I came to realization that a lot of this is unacceptable behavior. And, you know, now I've reached a point where I try my best to call it out when I see it, whether that be, you know, catcalling or men grabbing on women in public places, especially at like bars and clubs or just certain, you know, profane terms uh, that men tend to use in reference to women. I'm just like, hey, well, if you're going to be my friend, uh, you can't be acting this way. And I think it kind of goes back to Will's point where once you realize the toxicity in you, you also start to realize the toxicity in others. And can you really be not toxic if you're surrounded by it now? So, you know, Will can definitely get into this, but um, we've been able to cultivate a friendship where we have to embody a certain value system, whether that be, you know, integrity and respect and empathy across not only uh, and extend and extend that not only to women but people of various backgrounds. Uh, trying to make strides. Obviously, we're not perfect and we still make mistakes. But I think as long as we're growing, I at least I myself can be content with that. Yeah, I love that the whole process of you kind of realizing and having to unlearn. And then shout out to the people that called you out and really made you think about your perspectives and these ideals that maybe you've have. Uh, like caught as you're growing up. And so how, I guess, do you two call each other out pretty often? Do you, are you also comfortable in calling other people out on their, mm. on their hyper-masculinity or their toxic behaviors? Ooh, chow. Um, this man here <laughs> calls me out all the time. <laughs> and all my friends do. He's not the only one. And honestly, I seek that in friendship. Uh, because sometimes I might be on my own bullshit. Um, and I think we it's all very can important. Be, yeah. Right, exactly. And it's important to have uh, people who can call you out and help course correct. Because oftentimes we can get things in our head, think a certain way and lose perspective. And and in doing so, we can, you know, perpetuate very harmful behaviors and and mindsets towards other people. And so... Will stays calling me out on a regular basis. <laughs> I've consistently been able to rely on him to provide constructive uh, criticism. And, and it works so well, at least from my opinion, is that I know is rooted in love and not out of malice. And so I know when he's coming and asking me these questions and really confronting some of these issues that have been going on, I know it's with the intent of me being you know a better man and a better friend and a better partner rather than him just trying to knock me down and so i definitely been able to appreciate that from him so will do you ever get people who 
give you kind of backlash or stop being your friend? Because it sounds like Kamal is soaking it all in and not everyone, not everyone is so receptive. receptive. Yeah, yeah. Is receptive. I, I, I think in my experience, a lot of the conversations that I have with folks, people are generally receptive because like Kamal said, one, I try to make sure that it's centered in love. Like my faith is quite important to me uh, and a lot of how I conceptualize things is rooted in my faith, but rooted in like a radical, well, I don't really want to say radical version of my faith. I, I, it's radical maybe to the mainstream because I think that a lot of people, a lot of Christians get Christianity wrong. Um, and so like, but I'm just like, if I really like follow Jesus and how radical he was, I think that's what has always made me so interested in Christianity. I was just having a conversation with another one of our friends recently uh, Aaron, and he was saying that he had been listening to a sermon about like what it means to be a love revolutionary and like what does it mean to try to navigate throughout in your relationships and engage with folks with that in mind. I also know that even from a lot of my time in therapy, it's like understanding that love and truth and honesty aren't mutually exclusive, and in fact, like the truth requires a, a version of love. And it's that like, I, I I want more for you and I want an elevated engagement for you. And so it's not just about calling people out, it's about calling them up. And like, let's really elevate the conversation. Let's really begin to unpack a lot of the learning and unlearning. I try not to have conversations where I'm just like, look, I'm gonna call you out on this for X, Y, and Z reason. Oftentimes I try to say, hey, I'm unpacking this currently. These are things that I'm processing and it might not be identical to what the person is doing, but I'm at least leading with the vulnerability of, of showing that like, I'm not coming to you saying that I'm like the authority on the topic. This is, uh, we're all constantly going through these processes of, of transformation and progression. I kind of want to get into, you mentioned about you having a therapist. And I remember the first time uh, I met you two, actually, uh, Kamal, you actually seem to know Will's therapist really well by first name. You seem to have lots of conversations with them. And you guys both seem to dissect some of the things that the therapists and maybe Will have been working on. So can you share a little bit about, you know, being vulnerable and sharing your therapist and your, uh, your process with Kamal and how that has been for you two? Yeah, so shout out to Dr. Henry Primpe. Um, if, you, if you're in the D.C. area, the DMV, uh, I know it's probably tough, but I don't know whether or not he's doing like virtual sessions because I'm currently uh, not seeing him. But um, really, really like completely transformational for me. And I want to first start off with I understand that therapy is a privilege that everyone doesn't have access to it. And so. I made the determination that I was so focused on being proactive health-wise along every other facet of health in my life. And I'm like all about wholeness. And so I go to the gym and I eat right. And, you know, I do all of these things um, in order to make sure that I'm staying healthy physically. And so why not take the same approach to my mental and emotional state? And so I began to go to Henry and uh, it was a little bit reactionary at that time because I had some pressing things coming up that I was trying to unpack. And I felt like there were a lot of stuff serving as proxies. 
and I wanted to get behind it. And I, I always wanted to get to a place where I was more proactive in therapy. When we first kind of met, I told him like, hey, I know that we won't always be together. And so I want to make sure that not only do we have intellectual and philosophical conversations because I do enjoy those and that's a lot about how I process. I also want to leave every session with something tangible that I can start doing. And I want to develop coping mechanisms so that there are tools that I can always have and apply them to various situations. And it was a real acknowledgement that as great as conversations can happen inside of the office, the true work of therapy happens outside of it with the people that are around you. And so I often find myself a lot of times sharing a lot of insights that I have from therapy. One, because I know that not everyone has access to it. And even if you do have access to it, it can be quite difficult to find a therapist that's a good match for you. A lot of what I was working on in therapy was being able to be more open and honest and share things with people. I'm much more of like a perfectionist. I get things done. I like certainty. And that's usually what I share. And kind of going back earlier into this conversation that we were having, uh, part of my journey in therapy, I remember, was when Dr. Henry was telling me that you live a life where the people around you, you meet them at the destination rather than letting them walk through life with you. And Mm. that's really might not be the best way to engage in relationships because it might not give you the outcome that you're looking for. And it might just ultimately lead you to frustration. And so in what ways can we begin to allow the people around you to walk through life with you and to be able to see the process and see behind the scenes. And so in that effort and being called out on that and in that commitment, um, I've tried to be quite transparent and open about a lot of the things that I've learned and hoping that it is helpful in some way to the folks around me. In this so, case, Kamal. Kamal, how did you join Will in this process of him and his therapy journey and getting to know his therapist? I mean, I'm sure I've been a topic of more than one conversation Will has had with uh, Dr. Henry. <laughs> and so while I've never met this man in my life, um, you know, Will has been very open and, and transparent about how that process has gone with him and it's very, been very enlightening for me. Uh, so I've had several challenges trying to find a therapist. I tried when I first moved to DC and it was this older white lady who was just completely out of touch and asking me very ridiculous questions. Like, why do you feel stressed at work being the only black person at your company? Right. And any, any black person would instantly understand what I'm going through when I express that. Uh, but for her, it didn't seem to really register. And so I was you like, that's a no fam. Exactly, exactly. And it's like, I, I'm not paying you to, for me to teach you what's going on with me so you can help me. Um, so I called it quits on that and have tried several other times, but um, given you know, certain you know educational and societal barriers for black men. There's not too many people in the career field. Uh, so I'm still on the search for a black uh, male therapist. So if anyone has any suggestions, please let me know. Um, and so, you know, being able to be friends with Will and, and hear about some of the conversations he's had with Dr. Henry, I've been able to learn and pick up on so much of it. And I, I remember probably one of the most memorable conversations Will and I had um, 
that was reflected in one of his uh, sessions was the concept of control vulnerability, which essentially is being able to express yourself at an intimate level with the person and making or giving the illusion that you're being vulnerable in that moment by the level of intimate details you're sharing with the person, but actually really not losing control or having an actual sense of control with what you're really expressing. And I, you know, instantly resonated with that idea because I feel like I'm a very open person. I, I don't have a problem really expressing myself and sharing intimate details about my life with other people. But I think I've always been able to do that in a very comfortable way where I don't necessarily feel like I'm being overexposed or having a sense of fragility around it. And so not to say that it, it isn't genuine, but it's, it's also with, you know, more or less what's the intent. Think deeply about when I'm expressing myself, what's the intentionality behind it? Am I actually trying to um, use it as a a way to develop a bond with the person um, for some type of ulterior mo motive, or is it more so me trying to genuinely express myself to another person uh, because I actually want them to get to know me better? So um, that, amongst some, several other aspects, I've been able to learn so much more about myself uh, from some of the conversations that Will and I have had about therapy. And uh, I think we've been able to more or less uh, normalize the idea that you don't necessarily have to be um, on edge, on the brink of, you know, suicide to be able to seek out uh, therapy. I think just the same way you can go to a trainer um, just, because, just because you want to make improvements on your fitness goals and, and your strength. You can also do the same. I think of it the same way with mental health and that you don't have to be completely out of shape to seek, to, to seek training. Uh, you don't also have to have a mental illness per se to seek uh, some type of ther uh, therapy services. So I definitely commend Will for being so expressive and open about his process. And I remember having that conversation when his journey with Dr. Henry was coming to a conclusion. It uh, has inspired me to be a, uh, a better man. So definitely appreciate Will for, for being so open and transparent with, with his process of going to seeking out therapy. No, I love the love and such a great analogy about going to see a trainer when you want to just improve your performance or uh, your abilities physically, because even then when you are at the point where you're highly overweight or morbidly obese, that becomes a more strenuous, like harder, like harder task for you to be better and to be able to improve yourself. And just quickly, even on the flip side, like to really push that analogy, the top athletes all have trainers and we don't look at them like, why do they have trainers? It's because they know mm -hmm. that they need to be performing at, the, at their optimal ability. And so they need to be physically as great as possible. And so when it comes to therapy, it shouldn't be that people are like, oh, well, right, like I'm doing this so that I am mentally and emotionally as well as possible. Like, obviously everyone has baggage of various things, but to the extent in which we can, per, again, participate in harm reduction <laughs> and participate in hurt reduction in our, to mm -hmm. ourselves, as well as with the people around us, that that's important. Um, and so if we maybe began to really capture it in that way, 
hopefully people will be like, oh, no, nah, like I'm really just trying to be at my best and be my best okay. self. You two talk a lot about your, you know, kind of your appreciation for each other. How do you guys show that to each other? What are your methods to show each other support, I guess? Well, I love you. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but no, no, seriously, like, like, I think... like radical for a lot of guys, right? Like, oh, it I is. It really is. Like, oh, I can't tell my homie that. And I'm like, you're actually being quite silly. Well, I mean, I understand that you're a product of a system that tells you that there might be something wrong with that. And it's the goal to try to problematize that. But yeah, nah, continue, sorry. And and kind of like what you're saying, I think in terms of being able to, I think we need to be able to, as as men or just as people in general, be able to sit down with our feelings and being able to actually articulate how we're feeling about people. And, you know, Will has been so monumental in, in my growth. And so I shouldn't have any problem to express myself and let him know how much I appreciate him. And in terms of how we express that, it, it takes several different forms. A lot of it has to do with being able to have very thoughtful and, you know, intimate conversations where we're sharing our appreciation for each other. We're talking about very, very long, 10 minute long texts that we send each other, showing our appreciation to one another, especially around yes. birthday time. Um, or, you know, quality time. So kind of like, you know, you think of the love languages you know, quality time. We spend quite a bit of time together, even with us no longer living in the same city since I moved to DC. I, I told him, I was just like, while I'm moving to New York, I'm gonna still see you on a regular basis. Being a man of my word and, and communicating that or gift giving, Will is by far one of the best gift givers ever. Man is clutch. Um, he's always providing <laughs> the goods. Like. Very thoughtful. Um, acts of service. This man, when I moved to New York, um, I was getting rid of most of my furniture and I didn't have a car because I live in the city and I wasn't sure how I was going to get my belongings from DC to New York, especially since I already began working. And he called me up. He's like, hey, come on. Just want to let you know, me and Aaron plan on coming up and bringing your stuff up to New York. You know, I understand that moving can be a, a stressful process, especially for one person to do. And so we're gonna come up um, and bring all your stuff up and, and do that. And so on my new job, I'm making friends and talking to coworkers and I'm like, hey, I got my friends coming up to help uh, put together my apartment with me. And they're like, wait, what they're doing? What? They're coming, they're renting a car, using their own money, driving well over five hours, paying all those tolls just to move you in and it was like i would i had tons of co-workers who said i would never do that i also realized like i would do the same thing for him and and several other people in our friend group and so i think that has clearly demonstrated his, his love for me and his appreciation for our friendship and it's been made abundantly clear that you know this is a bond that regardless of the circumstances or the distance that is meant to last. Snaps of that. I really appreciate the support. That shows like support beyond just, I guess, affirmations. And affirmations are really important, but it seems like you two discuss each other's love languages. And 
I think a love language is beyond just a romantic relationship, but it's also. When Tamal stays hyping me up, and so people are gonna think that I'm just like the greatest person ever. I am definitely Tamal, um, but I appreciate that. Thing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, Everyone's gonna expect you to do that for I me. Mean, well. <laughs> I agree with everything that Kamal is saying. I think it's also helpful to provide the framing that uh, right before Kamal and I became friends, I was having some challenges with friendships and it was like it was very tough for me i wasn't in the best headspace etc and i was like very naturally distrusting of people right so like it wasn't just and so it's, it's interesting the way in which the timing has worked out because kamal explains a lot of the things in which i've been able to provide for him and he's been able to provide a lot of those things for me part of the reason why he was a conversation oftentimes in my sessions with Dr. Henry is because it was just me processing. Um, I, you know, I had some difficulties with some individuals and, and it was tough for me to really accept the ways in which Kamal was showing up and being vulnerable and being helpful and being committed and being intentional because I felt like, eh, you know, I, I just want to make sure that I'm like, not because at the beginning, I was kind of like, eh, I don't know about making too much of an investment because I, I you know, I, I've had some negative experiences with friendships in the past. When Kamal had kind of made the decision to move to New York, I eventually had a conversation with him completely sharing how I was feeling about that. This is what makes me nervous. This is this is where anxiety comes up. This is where your decision is like triggering based on like other situations mm -hmm. that I've had in the past. And so I'll play out that like, yeah, maybe it's cool now, but we fast forward to six months from now and then things change because I'm unfortunately bringing that whole like baggage and experience onto this situation. And it was a very productive conversation. It was a very, it was a very productive conversation uh, for a few reasons. One, when I was unpacking that conversation after it happened with Dr. Henry, I said that like, I felt like he heard me and he saw me. And I think that like so much of love is acknowledgement. Um, and so much of appreciation is acknowledgement that like, I see you, I hear you. Um, and there was also this way in which we had a, a good conversation about like, okay, you know, how we're going to make this work logistically. But I was comfortable with his word because I had his record. His re like it wasn't just his word, his actions for all of the that time we had known each other reinforced what he was saying. And I think that when we think about appreciation, how do you show appreciation to each other? I think one of the most powerful ways to show appreciation in relationships is honesty and being truthful with each other. Um and being comfortable and confident enough that the relationship can hold the weight of that. And to me, that's a lot of what I appreciate. I love that because uh, it really resonates with me because both of you guys are transplants or you may meet someone else who is a transplant to a new city. And it's like, do you invest in really getting to know this person to really build a relationship, whether that's platonic or romantic? And so it sounds like you guys were like, no, this is not only a temporary friendship, uh, but it's going to be something that lasts a lifetime or for forever and being able to express your insecurities with each other and say like, hey, because you're moving, these are the things I'm worried about. And Kamal going, nah, I'm still gonna come and see you in DC. 
this friendship isn't going anywhere. So it sounds like you both were able to really support and appreciate each other. And love that you two are both so bashful and kind of like, no, 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 they're great. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay. No. And then the other one's <laughs> yeah, like, no, 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 you're no. also. I, mean, I think that's important. You know, I didn't really do anything. all the time that, like, <laughs> you know, I know of so many male friendships where, and I've, had those friendships in the past and where you would you know if you went to say hey you know man like i i'm kind of feeling some type of way about you moving and it's making me feel etc and it's like the response is something to the nature of oh word wow that's crazy right like <laughs> like like fan i can just imagine you. someone They're saying like, that right now <laughs> feelings it's actually not that deep it's really not that serious like i'm just moving and the fact that it wasn't like it wasn't that, right? And there was this acknowledgement that like, I am going to listen, I'm going to mm -hmm. validate how you are feeling and here's a strategy that I'm presenting to you. And also at any point in time, if, if you're still feeling this way or if this is not working, then let's sit back down and let's talk about this thing. And again, it's like having someone's word, but then also feeling a little bit more at ease because you have their history that like, this is the way in which they constantly been showing up. And so I shouldn't anticipate that they're gonna show up any um, differently. And if they do show up differently, because you know, things change, people transition. And sometimes how you fit into someone's life may look a little different. I know that there's a commitment, there's an intentionality. I love the relationship with you two and how strong that is. I'm kind of curious about how do you guys establish a boundary, a code, engage each other like how do you guys know when not to push anymore is this something you guys talk about or like maybe even an instance like a lot of friends have fight about girls and that sort of thing and how do you guys gauge each other's boundaries um i think radical honesty has definitely played a tremendous part in being able to develop a feel for what we you know feel is acceptable or unacceptable behavior within this friendship and 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 also extending a great degree of empathy and trying to understand where each other's coming from and how we may feel in certain circumstances. And so just being, having a level of emotional awareness within the friendship has been very instrumental in navigating some of those things. I know um, one conversation that we recently had, you know, I got out of a, a long-term relationship that I was in and I knew that, um, my ex was, you know, developed strong friendship with with Will. They were very close, and with several other mutual friends that we had. And for me, I know they're still in in communication. And he, he was just like, "Hey, come on, I just want to let you know, your ex reached out to me. Um, she was, you know, just was saying that she appreciated this friendship and this and that and so on and so forth. But fam, like, if you don't want us to like communicate or anything like that, like." just you know just let me know i'm i'm here for you like you know where my loyalties lie mm -hmm. and my response was you know like you're a great person will she's a great person um i have a tremendous respect for both of you all like if i was in a position where i had a friend who had a relationship with someone i used to talk to i i think it's incumbent upon me to express that and how i'm feeling about that and so i was just like hey fam like i don't have a problem with you being friends with her at all um you know, um, of course, I would be uncomfortable with y'all dating, especially anytime soon. But if you did, like, 
that you know i you know and if y'all are each other's match y'all are each other's match all i want to know is the heads up and obviously his response is like fam like i ain't trying to date her or anything but i just you know just wanted to like let you know and i was like i wasn't saying you know <laughs> i wasn't making that assumption either but i just you know i wanted to put that I, out there yeah, it's just, I just want to put that out there. I think it was a very awkward conversation in the moment, <laughs> of course. Like um, most of them are. But we got through it. can't be. Exactly. And, and we navigated it. And and he knows, you know, I have full trust in him and his respect for me. And, and obviously, yeah, we don't date each other's exes, <laughs> um, for example. Um, women, I, for example, the person I am currently dating... Right. I actually introduced Will to her <laughs> um, while I was in a relationship with the expectation that they, you know, planting uh, a potential seed that, you know, even though they live in different cities, it's like, okay, maybe one day if they're ever in the same city or something like that, it could potentially lead to something, right? And, you know, over after I broke up with my ex-girlfriend and I started um, speaking with her, I realized I had a crush on her. And I brought it up to Will. I was just like, dang, how am I going to introduce my boy to a, a woman and then, like, backtrack and be like, oh, actually, I want to talk to her, right? I was just like, that's really lame. That's really selfish of me. Like, that has, like, that's a bad look. And so I had to, like, hit him up. And I was like, hey, Will, this is, like, uncomfortable. But, like, are you talking to so-and-so? And he's just like, oh, not not really. And I was like, okay, I just want to let you know I've, like, had some conversations with her. Um, and I think I have a crush on her. And But, like, if you're talking to her, like, I don't want to, like, get in the way of that or anything like that. But um, and he's like, no, I'm not. And he's like, and I was like, well, if it's okay with you, I want to go ahead and talk to her. And he was like, that's fine. That's fine with me. Like, go ahead. More power to you. And I think being able to have this level of radical honesty, which is very uncomfortable, <laughs> um, has been very instrumental in us being able to more or less establish boundaries. I love that because there's definitely layers to what you've said. You've had to like realize that these feelings may not be uh, really acceptable or people might look at it a different way or Will might seem like see this as shady and you're like, but this is how I feel. So let me talk it out with, my friend let me talk it out and say how, what's on my chest and then it turns out he's right. like oh no it's all good the next part and one of the like the last questions i have is that a lot of people have a hard time cutting off old friends that really are really toxic to them really drain a lot of their energy but they stay friends with them because they've been friends for so long they've went through a life together they've had a lot of memories and so they don't want to cut off that friendship. Let so what are your thoughts on that? Let folks go. Ooh, let great topic. Love this go. topic. Y'all, oh. like, <laughs> let folks go. If y'all firmly if believe like, that, snip, snip. Go, I feel like Get those you know, I'm not ruining or spoiling season four of Insecure for people because it's been, it's been building every season. But, like, you see what happens when you don't <laughs> let folks go and when you don't communicate and when you're not honest. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I've been thinking a lot about that because I feel like we're currently at an age and at a stage in life where that is becoming increasingly the case. And maybe there were some individuals where you were like, ah, well, maybe they're young, we're young and they'll evolve and they'll change. And then you're looking up and you're like, oh no, you're just getting worse. A lot of it is 
really making the determination about um, everyone has to make the determination about what they have capacity for and what they can hold space for. And a lot of my conceptions of letting go of friendships or with maybe people that were toxic, et cetera, is that like, I can know, I don't have the capacity to continue to hold space for you because you don't seem invested based on how you've articulated it to me in healthy relationships um, and uh, whatever, right? And that like, you are grown and I'm gonna let you be grown. And I'm not gonna say that you need to change in order to stay friends with me. I'm just kind of giving you the heads up that pr my proximity to you will change because I can't afford to be compromised in that way. Um, kind of going back to the unofficial uh, fourth person in this podcast, Dr. Henry, um, a therapist. Um, I remember there was one time where he said, uh, Will, you don't have the capacity to engage in any type of behavior or with anyone that is incongruent with the evolution that you have uh, began to experience. That is not to say, I, you know, it's tough because I don't, I don't like to think of people as fundamentally like good or bad, right? Like all of us are this like jumbled mix and we're trying to make the best of it. Um, and folks are like quite nuanced. And so a lot of times what I think about is in terms of letting folks go, like I think endings take a negative connotation and it is a situation where just because a song ends or a book ends, a movie ends or a TV show ends, et cetera, we don't look back and say, wow, that totally wasn't worth it. Or wow, like what it, it, what it was, what it served wasn't good at that time. We can appreciate that like things, some things just have to come to an end. And as I've continued to navigate through life, I began to learn that sometimes what people that you were cool with, sometimes even people that maybe you um, invested in and that you were vulnerable with, et cetera, that like light in one season can start looking a whole lot like darkness in the next. I mean, I couldn't agree anymore with what Will just said and to piggyback off that, I mean, I think there's a lot in life that we can't control, right? We can't control who our families are. We can't always control where we grew up um, and our circumstances. We can't always control our job and our job environment and career path per se. Um, however, there are things that we can control and, you know, like how we spend our money, what food we eat, you know, how, if we exercise or not and also who we share our space with, you know, who are our friends. And I think we have 100% autonomy over that area. And I have conversations with so many friends who just have piss poor friendships where they feel like their friends are neglecting them because they got in a relationship. And I'm like, you can be in a relationship you can have a boyfriend and a girlfriend and still be a good friend, mm -hmm. right? I got one life to live. Life is stressful enough. You know, my career is very stressful. You know, just trying to be um, a millennial in this economic, you know, situation is stressful enough. And dealing with this president is stressful enough. And so let me at least control my space. Let me at least control the people that I'm around. And so I think 
you know, being very intentional about having, you know, a friend group or and having people in your lives that share the same values. Obviously, you don't have to all be the same, but, you know, like the saying goes, you are the average of your five closest friends. And so when you look at the five closest people you spend time with, what does that say about you? Um, and all I have to say is my five closest friends say tremendous things about me and I can say the same thing for Will. And so I think um, if you're, if you want to be a better person, you know, if you want to be a better athlete, you, you hang out with athletes who are better than you, right? If you want to be a better, better person, you hang out with people that you aspire to be more like. And so I've definitely been able to grow so much more by having uh, people that I've been surrounded by, by who pour into me and who espouse values that I uh, strive to have. And so I think it's made me not only uh, a better you know, person, but a better man, a better friend, a better, a better son, a better partner. And without them, I don't think I would be the man I am today. Oh, I love that. And uh, it makes me think I recently had a birthday and I had a, of course, a Zoom party because of all this craziness. Um, and I really was like everyone in the Zoom meeting, there's a trait that I really respect and I look up to them for that trait. And everyone in the room had some trait that I really, really valued and that I appreciate from them that I wish that I could have and that I look up to and strive to be. So I love that. And on that note, we will end saying, if it's not, if it's not it positive, go. you let just it, gotta let, let it, it go. It, 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 right? Let it go. Right, like if you don't learn anything else in the quarantine, let it go. Let it go. Like, let it go. Make sure that you're like being rigorous in your self-assessment and understand what serves you and what doesn't serve you. Um, and but let me just put this out here. Also, make sure that you verify. Is it that person that's not serving you or are you not serving yourself? <laughs> and you sit up there mm, being like, point. oh, I need to let everybody go. And then you good point. And find out, nah, there's some things about you that you should let go. <laughs> right. So it's like, you know, <laughs> I'll just put that caveat. Yeah. Yeah, definitely look at you yeah. as well. Like, what's not making this friendship work? I think that's super important exactly. to look at the other person and yourself. Is it something you're doing? Are you are you trying really hard in this friendship? Are you showing up for them? And yes, I totally agree. And on that note, I want to thank you guys for joining this podcast. It's been really, really uh, perspective. I love your right, guys' yeah, thoughts on this. So it's so great having you too. Thanks for having us, man. Thank you.